You're listening to the Crossing DE podcast from The Crossing in Milton, Delaware, a community dedicated to developing devoted followers of Jesus. Engage. Every time I hear that word or see that word, I think of Star Trek. Anybody else? Star Trek? I grew up with Star Trek The Next Generation, Jean-Luc Picard. I can remember just, you know, setting a a course for the Enterprise, and then it was engaged, like, let's go, like, full steam ahead, new frontiers, the boldly go where no man has gone before. And here at the crossing, we're getting ready to embark on a three-year mission given by God for us to advance uh, the kingdom of Jesus in ways and to places we've never gone before, engaged. And so far, we've introduced two of our our three targets uh, for this new ministry strategy. Number one, missional community. Uh, We want to strengthen our community here so that that, that we can be more intentional and effectively engaging with the community surrounding us with the mission of Jesus, loving people to Jesus. And target number two, digital discipleship. Last week, Mark kind of unpacked uh, our hope and our desire to, to engage our world digitally, that the message of Jesus would once again go viral. And the church has to engage people where they are, and for a great majority of people, that's online. And so we're going to leverage that uh, for the mission of Christ. And target number three is going to come at you in two parts, part one being today. Target number three that, that we want to engage, uh, we've called intentional leadership. Intentional leadership. We know that the church of Jesus here at the crossing is going to succeed engaging Jesus and on his mission in this area. Uh, we have to be intentional about leadership, developing leaders and, and growing leaders and rise, raising up leaders and sending out leaders intentional on purpose with focus leadership. Now, one of the things I've noticed about that's really struck me with our engaged strategy is how these three targets only succeed when each of us is personally engaged. The crossing's never going to be a missional community if you and I aren't intentional about being missional and contributing to this community and to the community beyond these walls. We're not going to succeed in digital discipleship unless you and I are intentional about, about using our influence online for the cause of Christ. This strategy is meant to be for every person who would consider themselves a member of of this family, everyone engaged. And as we move forward and more people join our family, we want to help them to be engaged. And so part one of our third target, intentional leadership, really begins with you and me. Intentional leadership starts with intentionally leading yourself. Next week, Mark's going to unpack what this looks like on a a corporate level, big church level, but today, let's engage personally. You'll probably remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is sitting around the dinner table with his disciples before he leaves to go back up into heaven, and he says to them, hey, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of of the earth. Just this, this incredible moment, a powerful foreshadowing of, of what lay ahead for those first followers of Jesus. 
If we jump ahead then to Jerusalem, the disciples are there. Peter is witnessing, as Jesus said that they would, sharing the story of Christ. And Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says that those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Day one, first sermon, 3,000 people. That's a good day. Those disciples, new and old, devoted themselves to studying the Bible together, to to caring for one another. They devoted themselves to to frequently recounting what Jesus did for them on the cross and and to praying about everything. And Acts chapter 2 verse 47 tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. It's amazing. Right, God working in and through his people, the church growing and growing every day, new people coming to faith, the message spreading like wildfire. And as they continued to grow and interact with multiple different people and cultures, they began to encounter some growing pains as any larger family does. And in one situation, as the church was caring for people, it, it came to be known that a number of the widows uh, in, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the elders, the leaders got together and they led. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3, they, they got the, the people together and they said, hey, look, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. The church is huge. We, we can't do everything. So we're going to focus on prayer and preaching. You find seven guys who will take care of meeting the needs of people. And they should be people. They should be men who are full of the spirit and wisdom. And so Acts chapter 6 verse 5 tells us they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So that's awesome. We, we got our team of seven. They'll take care of making sure people's needs are cared for. Well, then Stephen, much like Jesus, was wrongly accused and falsely charged and in the, after being arrested was in the end stoned to death. And that kicked off a great persecution of, of all the Christians there in Jerusalem. In fact, uh, they were scattered everywhere. Remember, we learned this last week. Uh, those followers, they, they lost everything. They were scattered uh, throughout Judea and Samaria. And, and just like Jesus said they would, they preached the word wherever they went. Now, everyone who was scattered was doing that. However, Acts chapter 8 gives us some highlights of, of just one guy. He's actually one of the seven uh, that were chosen to take care of the widows. His name was Philip. Acts chapter 8 verse 5 says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And Philip's who I want us to learn from today. He was torn from his home. A sense of normal was gone, chased away in fear and danger, separated from all the followers, and yet he proclaimed the Messiah wherever he went. How? How? How is that possible? How was was Philip so successful? What made him so available for the Lord to use? Lord, teach us, right? We we want to be like Philip. You see, Philip was a follower of Jesus, just like you and me, and he led himself intentionally. And we'd be wise to learn from him. And so what we're going to learn today, and the the key to this first part of target number three, intentional self-leadership really, is this. Leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely. Leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely. Somebody once said, uh, Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. 
I want to read what may be a familiar story to, to some of you. It's, it's actually the last time we see Philip in action. And then we'll come back through and, and learn from it. It's Acts chapter 8. And I want you to engage this passage of Scripture through the lens of self-leadership. Uh, what is obvious about Philip uh, that made him successful for the Lord? Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? He asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In its humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I just love this encounter with Philip and, and the Ethiopian. I feel like it's the most complete picture we have of somebody hearing the gospel and responding and becoming a Christian that we, we have in Scripture. But, and this may seem a little weird, that's not the focus today. Let's learn from Philip. Because it is so clear from the beginning of our interaction with him in Scripture that Philip intentionally led himself. Think about this with me. What was true about Philip? There's five things. And the first one is this, real simply, he was devoted to the Lord. He was devoted to the Lord. The whole reason that, that the people chose him to serve the widows is because everybody around him recognized that he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He wasn't just there. He wasn't just sitting there watching. He, Philip was engaged as a faithful follower. I tend to think he was, maybe he was one of those first 3,000 baptized that first day. And, and so he devoted himself to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer with Stephen and Nicanor. Maybe, maybe he was studying the scriptures and praying along with Peter and James and John. He was devoted. He was, he was filled. He was growing. And he was ready to engage when the need arose. It starts with being uh, devoted to the Lord, because leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely. The second thing that was true of Philip, I, I like to say it this way, he was RFA. He was ready for anything. You want me feeding widows? Okay. You want me to lose everything and be scattered around to other places? I'm in. You want me to go to Samaria? Have you been to Samaria? Do you know about Samaria? No problem. I'll go. Lord, you want me to preach? Okie dokie. 
Holy Spirit, you want me to go take a run in the desert to engage with some dark-skinned man from Africa, whatever that is? Yes. Philip was ready for anything. He was at the Lord's disposal, nothing too big, nothing too small, too scary, too unknown. Philip was all in. He, he had resolved in himself that he was all in, and because of that, he was successful. You see, leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely. The third thing we see in Philip was that he was unquestioningly obedient. I often wonder what it would take for me to be like this. I'm certainly not perfect in obedience, and frankly, if I'm honest, there are times when, when I huff and I grumble and hope someone else will do the things the Lord is asking me to do. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but any of the rest of you ever experienced that? You've got a couple... Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south. Verse 27. So he started out unquestioningly obedient. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, unquestioningly obedient. Two weeks ago, we received a message through our website from George. He was in desperate need of uh, assistance and asked if someone would be able to call him. I was sitting in the parking lot of our school ready to pick up our youngest when I read it and I knew straight away I was supposed to call him. But I didn't. It's January. It's cold. Everybody's got needs. We can't help everyone. And a flood of all these other self-focused, um, I don't know what the word, non-compassionate, indifferent, non-Christ-like thoughts came rushing into my mind. Hey, maybe, maybe Mark or Cole or someone else will handle this. And this lasted for most of my drive home until I pulled down our road and it was like, fine. No text message saying they got it covered. I'll do it. And man, I'm thankful I did. Turns out the Lord had been setting this encounter up since before Christmas. <laughs> One of our, our generous members here in our family before Christmas gave the compassion team some, some money with the set purpose of, hey, just... Just use this to bless someone who has a great need. And, and as they prayed through the Christmas season and all the different events and all the, the people we encountered, they just didn't feel like, hey, this is the right person. And then George called. And it turns out I got to be the one to deliver this love and help uh, be the hands and feet. God's like, hey, you get to do it this day. And I've never seen a man truly speechless before. A, a, a strong humble, kind, 50-year-old man, and, and no matter what, he, I mean, he tried to talk, and he, he couldn't. I've never seen that before. It was a little bit awkward, because I'm like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't, know, I don't know what to do in this moment. And then the tears came, and then the embrace, and then the hour-long conversation that we had, and his situation in that moment was changed. He shared with me how one of his friends was encouraging him to read the Bible and some of the Psalms, and, and he got stuck. He's like, you, you probably know this better than I do. I'm like, okay. He's like, Psalm 91. I can't get out of Psalm 91. Are you familiar with Psalm 91? I'm like, I know it's a great one. I know how it starts off. Whoever dwells in, in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And then, this won't be surprised to most of you, more tears. This time they were mine. And a ride home with prayers of praise and repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. <sighs> Philip didn't give any excuses. 
I mean, he could have had a bunch, yet we don't read of the ifs and the ands and the buts that Philip came up with when God told him to go. Well, if it's safe, I'll go. Or if it fits into my, my calendar, maybe if I have time, but, but I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. But isn't, isn't there someone else who could do this? And if I run into someone else, like what am I, then what? And what about all the other disciples? Are, are, you, are you making them do all this running around the desert? None of that. For Philip, it was simply, yes, Lord. You see, once again, Philip had resolved long before this moment that God's ways were best. Not always understandable, certainly not easy, but best. And that's how Philip responded. I want to be like Philip, unquestioningly obedient. And leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely, all in. Two more. The fourth thing we see in Philip's success, he knew how to handle the word. Did you see how this interaction unfolded? Philip running alongside of a chariot. He hears a man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip engages. Hey, man, do you understand what you're reading? And I love the guy's like, well, how, how am I supposed to understand this? Well, somebody explains it to me. He feels like, ha, that's a great question. I hope you find that guy later, Gator. And there, off he goes into the desert. That's not how it happened. Just I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Most of you are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He just took off. No, actually what happened instead is something very beautiful. Acts 8.35, when Philip, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You see, Philip knew how to handle the word of God. When he heard the passage about the lamb being led to the slaughter and in his humiliation he was deprived of justice, Philip was able to connect the dots to Jesus, the lamb of God, being unjustly led to the cross and giving his life as a, as a ransom for many. And that conversation undoubtedly and obviously led to some great questions like, why? Why would he do that? Who is this Jesus guy? Why didn't he object? What do you mean he came back to life? Wait, forgiveness of all of my sins? How? I want to follow this guy. And don't you dare think like, well, this is Philip. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He spent time with Peter, James, and John, because that describes you too. The same Holy Spirit Philip was full of is in you, Christian, and you have the scriptures in the palm of your hand. What a treasure. This is way more than Philip had. You don't have to go to Bible college or seminary to know how to handle the Word of God. I didn't. Read it. Study it. Ask questions. Read with others. Ask more questions. Search the Scriptures. Make it a priority. Seek Jesus on the pages of His Word, and the promise is you will find Him. Did I mention asking questions is a good idea? Listen, we got to be intentional, be devoted to it, put the work in. Philip started off doing the things that made him the man we see in Acts 8 long before. It didn't happen overnight. Leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely, which leads to the last thing. Did you notice that Philip disappeared? Anybody else notice that? Just poof. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. When I read it, I just, there's a little cloud like a cartoon, and he's gone. It's just the way my mind works. Here's the fifth thing Philip had one mission, 
Jesus' mission. Philip had one purpose, proclaim the Messiah. Oh, sure, he did a whole lot of other things. He probably worked. He went to the market to get food. He had to eat and sleep and interact with people. He traveled from place to place. But all those things fell underneath one bigger umbrella, proclaim the Messiah. And what a humble man. I don't need to get the credit and the thanks from the Ethiopian. I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to be out in front and center. You want me to preach? I'll preach. You want me to disappear? Lord, I'll disappear. You must become greater, and I must become less. That was Philip's attitude. That was his approach to each day on mission. And all these things are true about Philip because he intentionally led himself well, and Philip intentionally led himself well because he followed the Lord completely. That's where it starts. For Philip, for me, for you, leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely. It's, it really comes down to the, the, the law of the harvest. Are you familiar with the principle of the harvest? Galatians 6, 7 says, hey, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So yeah, you know it. The seed you sow in your life determines the harvest you'll end up with. Can you imagine a farmer just hoping to have a great corn harvest but then when he goes to the seed store, and if this helps you, I imagine this like, you know, like candy kitchen for seeds, and he goes in with his bag, and he just starts shoveling from all the different barrels of seeds into his bag, and, and then he goes and scatters all these seeds. Like, how would that work? Honey, what are we going to be harvesting this year? Well, Maud, I don't know. I scattered all kinds of seeds, but I'm hoping for corn. It's the same in this life we live every day. You see, to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you have to be intentional, sowing seeds to reap the harvest that you're hoping for. You want to be like Philip? I do. Philip was intentional about leading himself, about sowing the seeds needed to harvest a faithful life, a life full of the spirit and wisdom. He looked ahead and he decided, this is the kind of man I want to be. And he intentionally sowed the seeds it took to get him there taking the steps to ensure that when the Lord called, he'd be prepared, and whatever the call, he was available. That doesn't happen by accident, nor is it easy. That's why the Spirit's there to help and lead. It takes work, intentionality, setting aside self for the sake of Christ and the gospel. But that's the reality of a follower of Jesus. He's Lord of all or not at all. He's Lord and we follow him. That's why leading yourself intentionally means following the Lord completely. I think one thing that's true about most of us here, or at least we would say about ourselves, is that, well, we're well-intentioned people, right? We have good intentions. We have good intentions about li the life we want to live and, and, and the kind of person we want to be, and we're not lying. We're, we're, we're not making these things up. We really have good intentions about those things, but what I've found is that oftentimes my good intentions become a substitute for my being intentional, too often, my good intentions let me off the hook for doing something about it. I feel good enough about my intentions that I don't actually take steps to back them up. I learned this week there's actually a, a psychological term for this phenomenon. It's called the intention-action gap. And most of us have these intention-action gaps in our lives. I mean, it's part of the human experience. Most of us can relate to the intention-action gap when it comes to money, Right? We have in the intention of, of being generous, good intentions about being disciplined savers and not going into debt, but often there's this gap between our intentions and our actions. Or, or diet and exercise, right? We, we have good intentions. We've had them for a long time. We, really good intentions of getting in shape. We're, we're fully going to do that. I've got the intention to do that. 
I've got the clothes to do it when the, when the situation arises. I've got the equipment. I've, I've got workouts printed out. I've got the gym membership. And yet we don't always follow through and actually go to the gym. We have an intention to do it, but it doesn't always translate into action. And many of us live a good amount of our lives in this intention-action gap. Having good intentions that we, we don't do much about. And as we unpack our third target for our engaged strategy, I'm very aware of those intention-action gaps in my own life, in my own faith walk. Good intentions about being the kind of, of husband I want to be and father and leader and the, the good intentions about the kind of man I want to be. And, and maybe you, like me, look back even after this message and think, well, yeah, I've got those gaps too. I wish I would have been more intentional. I wish I would have been more intentional about all of this from the beginning, but a lot of time has passed and where do I go from here? I wish I would have been more intentional with my time. I wish I would have listened more and fixed things less. I wish I would have said yes to the Lord immediately. I wish I would have started with that very passage of Scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. I wish I would have had a more humble approach to people. I wish I would have read my Bible more, but, but I'm so far down this path I'm on, I don't really know where to go from here, so I guess I'll just keep going. And listen, it would have been great to have been intentional from the beginning, but the second best time to start being intentional is today. Let's pray about it. Father, I'm grateful for uh, Philip's example, a man who encountered the good news of Jesus, who responded, who was devoted to uh, being a follower for doing the hard work, for thinking through things, for following the Holy Spirit's lead at every turn and making such a huge impact on the people then and even to the very ends of the earth here today, 2022. And I pray you would close the gaps in our own lives. In fact, Lord, would you make them very clear to us? Where are those intention action gaps in my life so that I might intentionally lead myself by following you completely to the glory and honor of your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about The Crossing, visit thecrossingde.com or download the mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Music for today's podcast is from artist Sounds Like Sander under license from soundstripe.com.